0: So, um, Will Smith is broken, huh? <laughs> what the heck was that? I had my attorney uh, send me a message that uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars or whatever that was. And I just internally rolled my eyes like, dude, the Oscars are so stupid. They're It's obviously staged. They're so desperate for ratings because nobody watches that garbage anymore that they're resorting to not, like, Will Smith wouldn't do that, dude. Come, it's clearly acting. And then everybody on Twitter's talking about it. And I'm like, you guys are all a bunch of dummies. Like, you guys fall for everything. I'm like, all right, all right. People are talking about a police report now. Like, I'll I'll go look it up. So I looked it up. (laughs) It was weird, because I could swear he made the G.I. Jane joke or whatever. I don't know what, what that even means she in that movie? I don't know. Is that a movie? I have no idea. And I could swear they cut to them and Will Smith was laughing. So I was like, all right, that wasn't the joke. So I'm waiting for another joke and here comes Will Smith. And I'm like, see, I told you, dude, he was laughing. He knows this is a joke. And then I saw the slap and I'm like, well, that looked violent. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, it didn't look like it hurt, but there was a lot of force behind it. It was like a weird from the hip slap thing. I don't know what that was, but then he started screaming and like his eyes started watering and he started swearing. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's too bad, man. I like Will Smith. I always admired him. I know his family's a little out there, but you know, I try not to worry about other people's families and stuff. You ever seen that video of him talking about, you know, if you run with me on a treadmill, either you're jumping off first or I'm going to die on that treadmill. Love that. Got me so jacked up. Now he's crying because somebody said something about his wife being an actress. I don't understand. thought he was, like, resilient or something. I don't know. I mean, I get the whole, like, don't talk about my wife, but nobody said anything about your wife, dude. Like, you've got some serious insecurities there. Maybe it was after the joke when he said, Jada, I love you, that flipped him out. Because if you think about it, I could see that cutting him deep. But anyways. It's always fun waking up in the morning because when you go to bed, when I go to bed, you miss some stuff. (laughs) Sometimes it's interesting. I'm still not watching that stupid show, but um, that would have made it interesting this year for sure. Anyways, we had um, a little bit of insight into the world of the Green Bay Packers organization kind of for the first time in a pretty long time. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of speculation, a lot of fear and trepidation. But uh, Matt LaFleur had a little sit-down with NFL Network's Tom Pellicero at the annual league meeting on Sunday. It's nice when they have all these stupid meetings. because media is there to just pester the living crap out of uh, guys, and then we get to know stuff, so that's great. But talking about trading Devontae Adams, Matt LaFleur said, sometimes you got to make some tough decisions. Certainly appreciate every uh, everything Devontae brought to our team. I mean, he's the best receiver in the National Football League, so that was a tough one for me personally and for our organization. Obviously, that's kind of a nothing statement. It is a little funny because that, that clip has been tossed around a ton, but of course it's snipped in such a way to kind of leave you wondering like, what does he mean by that? And he starts speculating because what, what most people left that clipped out is that was a tough one for me personally and our organization. And although it's kind of self-explanatory, it's like, I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder, you start wondering all kinds of stuff. But the full sentence is, he's the best receiver in the National Football League. So, as in, therefore, that was a tough one for me personally and our organization. Why? Because he's the best wide receiver in football. That's what makes it tough. End of story. Asked if there were any discussions of trying to talk Adams out of leaving, LeFleur replied, well, there really wasn't anything to talk about. I mean, you're going through a contract negotiation, and certainly it was just one of those deals where, like I said, a lot of tough decisions had to be made. Again, not a ton there, but the only thought that I have is, again, people seem to think that everything is personal. Everything is about, it's all these stupid comments about everybody's leaving Rogers. (laughs) no. Who 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 left Rodgers? Nobody made the decision to leave Rodgers and and like go play for Pat Mahomes and well maybe Derek Carr a little bit, but leaving Rodgers was always a consequence of the decision. It wasn't the decision in and of itself. I put this on Twitter and I had I had to answer that question seven hundred. Well, what what was he wrong about? What was wrong about? That's what's wrong about it. Devontae didn't say sorry, guys. I would. I just can't stand Rodgers. That didn't happen. MVS. He wanted money. Like every football player in the history of the world, he wanted money, just like Tyreek Hill left because he wanted money. It's not because he hates Pat Mahomes. By the way, I don't see a lot of people writing articles about that or phrasing um, any tweets that way. Tyreek Hill chooses to leave Pat Mahomes and go play for Tua. I mean, technically it's true, but it's nonsense because that wasn't the decision that was made. Tyreek Hill wanted a lot of money and the Chiefs are like, I'll give you kind of a lot of money. And he's like, no, sorry, dude they're like, oh, don't you want to be with your friends? Which is what fans seem to think is an important thing. Don't you want to stay here with us? You know, you could win another Super Bowl. He's like, listen, dummy, I got a couple more years left. And then I have the rest of my life to not be playing football and making lots of money. This might be my last major contract. You're going to give me every penny that I want, or I will go to somebody else who will. And that's what happened. Not everything's a little cat fight. Just want to be with my friends, and I don't like Susie, and Sally said this, so I'm leaving. Why did he leave Rogers? He didn't leave Rogers. Well, why would you leave if he's your friend? Oh, good Lord. Do you ever leave a job and get a new job? Maybe for you it was because you hated everybody. The only reason I've ever gotten a new job? More money. (laughs) That's it. I liked people at my last job. It had nothing to do with that. Didn't like my bosses very much, but My family was going to starve soon if I didn't start making more money. So I left and got more money. So again, as far as this whole Matt LaFleur, did you try to talk Adams out of leaving? Like, what are you supposed to say? It's like, he's in a negotiation with Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball, and he says, I want to go be a Raider. And they're like, yeah, but Matt, did you go up to him and be like, I thought we were friends, bro? Like, just think about John Runyon. What's he going to (laughs) do? He looks up to you what about me? I thought we were friends. Come on, man. I wouldn't keep talking about it if I didn't get get or see daily messages about this, especially with the whole Rogers comments about people come here to play with me. It's like, oh, I guess they don't. Oh, I guess they do. He, he never made the quote, everybody will come here that I want to come here and nobody will ever leave Green Bay because that would be silly because people have left Green Bay every single year since forever. The point he was making is, if a free agent comes to Green Bay, it's not because of the weather. It's not because the city of Green Bay and all the fun things there are to do there. It's because it's a team with a real good shot at a Super Bowl, which is the exact same thing as saying because of Aaron Rodgers. Point is, if he wasn't there, people wouldn't choose to go there for any other reason other than the Packers offered the most money. But then uh, the most important part of this uh, sit-down discussion is, He goes on to say, I think like every great quarterback or quarterback in general, you want as many pieces as you can around you. Lafleur said when asked about Rodgers, how Rodgers handled the trade. He goes on to say, certainly there's going to be opportunity. We're still in free agency and then we've got the draft. In my experience, there's a lot of movement that can take place between now and the start of the season. So I don't have any doubt that they're still shopping around for some players. I know I had mentioned about Ken Ingalls and how you know, he says we're out of money, but at the same time, we were trying to sign Devante. According to the numbers that Ken is giving us, that's impossible. Now, I mean, it's not that he's inaccurate. I'm just saying that means that they would have been willing to do it and then make some necessary moves. And whatever moves they would have had to have made to sign Devante or get Devontae to sign or whatever and make the cap work, they can still do that today. Now, the, the one thing that's sort of a caveat here is it's also entirely possible that the um, franchise tag was just never going to work. And they were saying, Devonte, you got to sign this and we got to work out a new deal. Like, how about this deal? How about this deal? And he's like, no, I'm not signing this. I'm not accepting that deal. And because they cannot have him on the tag at all, the only option for the Packers was to accept the trade. But still, I mean, it, it would have been a big chunk of money. So things can be moved around. I don't think there's a ton, but there's probably enough, especially with, um, you know, whatever deal they were going to structure Devontae with, they can certainly structure with whoever else would be coming on board for us to make the contract work. Goes on to say, we're going to absolutely have to add some pieces to that room. And, you know, we've got to construct our offense around what we have. You can't look back and you got to move forward. Malafleur does a great job of inspiring confidence, doesn't he? He's, he's such an open book about stuff like that. I mean, it's... it's He has a unique gift of using pretty exclusively coach speak, but not using it properly. (laughs) Like, the point of coach speak is to deflect and put a positive spin on things. He somehow is able to deflect and make everything sound horrible. Brian Gutekunst makes everything, like, everything's great, dude. Like, yeah, man. I mean, Devontae's great and all, but uh, I love our team, and we've got some great prospects we're looking at, and everything's looking great. The floor's like, I don't know, man. We'll see. Nothing I can do now. Whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> Matt, be happy, man. Get fired up. So again, pretty obvious statement, but um, there you go. There's, there's your comforting statement. The Packers will be adding someone. The, the problem is they're probably not going to do enough to uh, satiate the fan base. And I know for a fact they won't do enough to satiate the media. I mean, outside of Signing Julio Jones to a massive deal and using your first two picks on wide receiver, I don't think there's anything that they can do. It would have to be all three of those things. And even that, you're going to find people complaining because Julio wasn't the right guy. He's too expensive and he's too injury-prone and he's over the hill. And these two wide receivers, you should have gotten a lot of it. You should have traded up for this guy. You said that. So, you know, it is what it is. But there's your answer. They're going to add something. So, I mean, we are exactly actually one month away from the NFL draft. It is April 28th, today is March 28th, so we got one month before we can say that the Packers didn't add a wide receiver before the draft. In which case, you kind of get into desperation mode, which is never fun, but it is what it is. Anyways, in other news, uh, apparently Mr. John Dorsey is back in Cleveland visiting with his old team, the Browns. If you didn't know, John Dorsey is now with the Detroit Lions. So the question has been stirring about... I wonder if, by chance, the Detroit Lions are looking to make a trade for Mr. Baker Mayfield. My first reaction was, "Oh crap!" And then I thought about it, and I'm like, "Really? That might be the best." I mean, it's it's kind of like bringing Matt Stafford back, in my opinion. I think most people would say, "No, he's worse than Stafford." Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think they're similar. Baker is—he um, seems to me a very capable quarterback that struggles to fully figure it out. And that's kind of always what I felt about um, Matt Stafford. And the other added benefit, although I think it instantly makes the Detroit Lions better, because I do think Baker is a good amount better than Jared Goff is. Although I think the hard part about that is Baker was in a pretty good situation. He had a great offensive line. He had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry for years. David Njoku, who's the guy whose name I was trying to remember the other day. Great running backs. It's hard to not say he was the thing holding that team back. One of the best pass rushers in football. I was going to say he's better than Goff, who's a clearly a system quarterback, but it's hard to imagine Baker doesn't significantly fall off going to the Lions. But either way, I don't see this being a, um, man, the more I'm sitting here talking about, I really hope this happens. Again, I still think it's an upgrade over Goff, but the best thing about bringing in a guy like Baker, and Baker is evidence of this, is that you get a guy like Baker and it makes it harder to move on. I mean, we know that they're not going to draft, well, we shouldn't say we know that. They, they may want to draft a quarterback this year, but it's unlikely at pick two, they have any interest in drafting a quarterback. Because I don't think there's any quarterback worth taking at two. But what about the year after? What if even with Baker, they still get a top pick and are in contention for, let's say, a guy like C.J. Stroud? Are they going to do that after one year with Baker? Maybe. I know they should, but history tells us that when you get a guy like Baker, although I guess if you get, you know, three wins in a season, maybe it's time to move on. I don't know. It also depends on the contract you get and how possible it even is. but. um, yeah, I think overall it would be a positive. Also, the 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 bigger benefit, man, this is just getting better by the minute as I think about this. If they do get better, I don't think they're good enough to compete with Green Bay, but you know who they are good enough to compete with? The Bears. If the Lions could overtake the Bears and put the Bears in fourth place, oh my goodness, can you imagine the laughing at the enemy segments? Can you even imagine that? Oh, the glory of it all fourth place with Justin Fields in the second year with his new I had dude second year in a row with the dream for you I just remembered a part of my dream much better dream they were running the bears were running some kind of ridiculous play Justin Fields was standing there he didn't know what to do he was looking to like toss it and he just stood there and he started running around scrambling trying to throw it to it was like this weird crazy trick play that didn't go anywhere and they lost like 15 yards and I remember just thinking this is your new better offensive coordinator this is what you've done better by the way, you hired a defensive coordinator to be your head coach, which is also a little hilarious. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Plus, it's going to take some of that sweet, sweet draft capital that they've got, which is their biggest asset right now. Building through the draft, getting a bunch of picks and a bunch of players with those picks. I'm almost starting to think there's no way it's happening because it would be so stupid for the Lions to do it. But it would be glorious. So, fingers claw- crossed for a big Baker Mayfield trade, and I mean big. Fingers crossed. I gotta go. I didn't even have coffee this morning. I'm going to go get some of think. It's too early for a break, though. Dang it. I don't actually need to take an official break, but I think that I'm going to challenge myself a little bit. Make it to the break first. But otherwise, as far as the NFC North, there isn't a ton that's exciting. I mean, there is some more quarterback drama, which is... All four teams at this point, now that we, we can at least speculate that there's a trade um, to get rid of Jared Goff and bring in Baker, there's all four teams. The Vikings obviously have their Kirk Cousins drama. I mean, you could go back to last year with the vaccination stuff if you wanted to, but there's also the whole, like, they clearly want to get rid of him, but they're pretending they don't because they can't get out of their contract, and then he, they were forced to sign another garbage contract, and this guy's just laughing all the way to the bank, and the Vikings clearly don't have a plan to get out of this. That part's funny. And then the Bears, first of all, are exploring a trade that involves Nick Foles. I mean, he's a backup. It's not that big of a deal. But how about this one? And I want to remind everybody the, the immediate escape of Chicago Bears fans when you bring up Justin Fields playing poorly is that no he's actually elite he looked elite everything about him was elite it was just bad play calling it was bad design if there was a wide open receiver to throw to he would have thrown a pinpoint pass if he had the blocking he would have not been on the ground he did nothing wrong it was only Matt Nagy here's a Q&A in The Athletic by Kevin Fishbane presumably a Chicago Bears guy here's the question what does a successful season for Justin Fields look like? It looks like he won't have much help. What are the signs of progress that would be uh, that would showcase that he has the talent to build around? Conversely, what would be the signs signag- signaling that even if he had more help, that he isn't the answer? If this next year is all about Fields, then what is the grading criteria? I think that is a perfectly fair question. By a rational Bears fan that clearly um, is at least willing to acknowledge the possibility that the guy who was one of the worst quarterbacks in football last year maybe isn't the savior of Chicago. Just maybe. I'm just saying maybe, not definitely. Here was that answer. One crucial thing I'll be looking for is consistency. We know that Fields has the physical abilities, that's true. But can he make plays drive-to-drive, quarter-to-quarter, and week-to-week? There was so much talk about the fourth quarter in Pittsburgh because it showed his potential, but it also didn't happen nearly enough, for a litany of reasons. Obviously, Matt Nagy is that reason. There's a lot of paragraphs here to say Matt Nagy, but let's continue on. A successful season might not mean the Bears have a winning record, but it has to show growth. I love that, by the way. Look, I mean... We can't be talking about winning records here. Let's just talk about growth. I, lo- I, I mean, he's right, but I just, I just, I'm enjoying this so much and it makes me so happy. The quote signs of progress would be how he manages the offense, how he handles the pass rush. He admittedly at times last year, he held the ball, or oh, he admitted at times last year, even better, from the horse's mouth. Can I say horse? It's just a phrase. I don't think he looks like a horse, does he? If people actually look like animals that you call them, then it's like really offensive, but I don't, I don't think he looks like a horse, so I think I'm safe there. He admitted at times last year he held the ball too long or was too confident in his ability to escape, and then his ability to read defenses. That last one is nuanced and can be hard for us to glean, but if he can smoothly operate coordinator Luke Getzi's office, it'll be noticeable. So first of all, Remember how it was never his fault? In fact, Bears fans love to brag about how many times he was sacked as evidence that Matt Nagy and the offensive line are terrible, but mostly Matt Nagy, because if you blame the offensive line, that's not easily fixable, but it's easier to just blame Matt Nagy because now he's gone, we got a new guy, everything's fixed. But as I pointed out, it's weird that Andy Dalton doesn't get sacked nearly as much. There's no other quarterback playing behind that Chicago Bears offensive line that gets sacked as much as Justin Fields. It's not even close. If you would think if it was Matt LaFleur or (laughs) Matt Nagy or the offensive line that other quarterbacks would get sacked a bunch, but they didn't. Maybe it's Justin Fields' fault in part. And then he admitted that he held the ball too long and was way too confident in his ability to run when he should be standing in and throwing the ball, which is not a great thing. And then he goes on to pick on his ability to read a defense, which is a really negative thing for a quarterback. Continuing, you mentioned not having help around him. The great quarterbacks can lift those around them. That's a dig. I mean, I get that it's like talking about the future, like everything can be okay, but it also is about the criteria. This is me talking, not the article. In other words, no excuses. You got that, Bears fans? No excuses. That's not to say that it's a negative to have a lack of talent. It's a negative to face pressure and all those kinds of things. But you still have expectations of good quarterback play. You still have expectations of wins overall. Great quarterbacks do face pressure and tough defenses and injuries to their wide receivers like when Devontae goes out and the Packers have still never lost a game. He continues, can he show the ability to do that in 2022, that is lift people around him, with what is looking like a below average offensive line and well below average receiving core? That's asking a lot, but the best quarterbacks can make everyone around them better. Field's rookie performance comes with a lot of disclaimers, and some are legitimate, but the struggles can't be fully ignored. If the sack numbers remain high, if he's not doing a good job taking care of the football, if he's not leading scoring drives often enough, then the organization might have to consider the possibility that he isn't the guy. Oh, it makes me so happy. Not that I want him to move on, but it's just, it's just the fact that we're already here. It's also funny that, um, in Chicago, the relationship between the media and the fans is different than it is here in, um, in Wisconsin, although not entirely because they can be pretty ruthless. But it's largely, it's the media that's ruthless and the fans, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of the fans that are just sycophants. Let's, let's call it Twitter. Bears Twitter, everybody's great. Everybody's elite. Justin Fields is the best. You don't know Jack. Packer fans are stupid. If you watch the tape, you would know we're so good. We're so good. We're so good. And Bears media, which is why Laughing at the Enemy is such a great segment for Bears uh, content because they hate their own team. They're tired of losing. They're tired of being garbage. They hate the coaches. They hate everything. They tried to love Justin Fields, but they're already starting to hate him. And so in Chicago, you have the media trying to tell the fans slowly and gently, in some cases, um, it, it might be a good idea to at least prepare yourself. It's the exact opposite here. Here, the media has to beg Packer fans to not just completely trash... Green Bay Packers in their first five seconds of being Green Bay Packers, like they just became a Packer, just got selected. Congratulations, the newest elite athlete to be the Green Bay Packers and the entire fan base. Oh, that guy's trash. I'm, I'm furious. I'm not watching this team anymore. I hate this team. <laughs> it's very different culture. I don't know where that Midwest nice thing comes from because that's certainly not the case when you're talking about the Packers. He goes on to say, "We'll learn a lot about how much of 2021 struggles should fall on fields." by how he does in 2022. That's kind of self-explanatory. Polls uh Getze, and quarterbacks coach Andrew Janaco, I don't know, will have their own grading criteria, but they should have a pretty good idea when the season ends, if not before, if Fields can be the long-term franchise quarterback the Bears hoped they drafted. <sighs> I mean, you know, despite what happens with, if you're, let me put it this way, if you're discouraged, by the Green Bay Packers and the, the wide receiver situation, and Devontae's being gone, and if you're an MBS fan and you're upset about him being gone, and you're upset about our odds of winning a Super Bowl and the potential of that, take a minute to reflect on the competition in the NFC North. It'll make you feel a little bit better. It makes me feel better. I love it. Especially with the Bears, because they talk so much smack about Justin Fields. It's our division now. The North runs through Justin Fields. It runs through Soldier Field. You guys are so stupid. I'm sorry. I like you guys, but you're dummies sometimes. Like, you just don't learn, man. You guys have some thick skin. Because you know, you know you're going to get beat up, and you're like, I'm just going to take it. Whatever it takes to support my man. (laughs) Justin Fields has a million followers on Instagram. That was your biggest win of the season. Justin Fields cracking a million followers on Instagram. That was it. That was your big W. And then bragging about, you know, how jacked he is. I don't know. That's, I guess... Anyways, why don't we take a break here so I can go get my coffee. Remember to check out Drew's GoFundMe over on Twitter, as well as Cody's over in the Facebook group pinned to the top. Any and all support would be much, greatly, mucho appreciated. Remember to check out amodernfrontier.com, buy you a big old box of meat. Really, really affordable prices, and it's uh, delivered directly to your door. Shipping is included. If you use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, You're going to get $25 off that already relatively cheap order. We will take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. So there was some uh, questions about a potential trade. And I, I, again, I more or less brushed it off because it's the least likely of all the options. But it's also the most exciting and it's what everybody wants to talk about it because it, it means getting a superstar, presumably. And that's what we want. The reason I hate it the most is because we had a superstar. So we're talking about giving up the money that we just got. We're, it, it's losing everything. Imagine you had like your dream car, right? Whatever that might be. you know, truck, Tesla, sports car, whatever, I don't know. And somebody just completely smashes it, demolishes it, whatever. And you get the money that you paid for it and all that. And it's all super great, which is a huge pile of money. Again, let's say it's 70 grand, but the prices have gone up quite a bit. And so now 70 grand isn't going to get you the car that you had. So you can sit there with $70,000 and maybe spend, you know, I don't know, 10 grand, 20 grand on a car. You get a car, but you still got 50 grand, dude. We get all kinds of cool stuff. We get a big old TV, we get a new grill, and take a vacation. I don't know, dude. We're going to live it up. Or you spend all of it and don't get as nice of a car. So now all you did was downgrade car. Why, why do you want to lose? Why do you want to just lose on that deal? I don't want to lose on that deal. I love that we have money. I love that we have two first-round picks. I love we have two second-round picks. I don't want to not have that anymore. So that is my objection. But... It's what the people want, so let's look at it. One of the names that, it, by the way, I, I don't want to mention people just because it's fun. Like DK Metcalf doesn't really make any sense because I have not seen anybody actually mention that DK wants to be traded, that the Seahawks want to trade DK. Like, it's just completely out of left field. It's just, let's just go get DK. Like, what Where? What are you talking about? I don't know, man. I mean, Russell left, so they suck. So, I mean, Seahawks probably just don't care anymore about their player. Like, DK Metcalf is... The exact guy you never trade. It doesn't make any sense. Seriously, what sense does that make? Like, we should just give up trying? Why bother paying him? What, they're going to use the draft picks to do what? Find young talent? For what purpose? Russell Wilson's gone. Find young talent so we could trade him away or what? Because that's what we do with young talent. There's no... Anyways, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Maybe that rumor was out there at some point. I don't know anything about it. But a name that was put out there, in the past, not necessarily from the team or the player, but in terms of it kind of makes sense, is Mr. Brandon Cooks in Houston. Unlike DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks is not a young guy that they drafted um, that is the future of the team. He's a guy that they acquired through a trade that has been traded 60 billion times, and he costs a bunch of money, and your team still sucks. Now, that isn't really a reason to go to zero, but if you feel like you can get some good compensation, you'd rather have the picks than pay a bunch of money to be mediocre. The biggest issue is his contract, which is sixteen point two million dollars. However, there is a thought that the Texans would be able to eat some of that or would be willing to eat some of that because they're saving a massive amount of money. So if the if the complication with the trade is it's too much money for a guy like Brandon Cooks, which is a great thing because it means you don't have to give up much in terms of, of draft capital, right? I mean, if he's worth, you know, fifteen million dollars and his contract is sixteen point two, I'm not giving you jack squat for him. Because I'm already overpaying, which is why a trade deal just can't get done. However, if the Texans are right, uh, all right, let me. What if we ate like five million dollars of this? We bring his contract down to eleven, and then we would just need you know four million dollars worth of draft compensation, whatever that equates to. There should we should come up with a, a chart for that. There should be a trade value chart for dollar amounts. You know, like what what is what is four million bucks equate to in the draft? I don't know. Because it's not like Brandon Cooks plus four million, because the fifteen million is is already a representation of Brandon Cooks value, and we're deducting eleven of that, which leaves four. So we're talking four million dollars of player value is what I'm giving you in draft compensation. I don't know, be a fun fun thing to figure out. But again, as I said, as far as the compensation goes, things are certainly tight, but there would also more than likely be some kind of a reworked contract. Um, and in fact, I'm trying to see how much of this we would actually take on. Because his base salary is just 12.5. The million. Um, it's like $7.5 million of bonus money that obviously the Texans would take on. So I think we're talking closer to $12.5 million for Brandon Cook. But I mean, the good thing about him is he is and, and has been for quite a while a very good I don't know why he can't stay on a team, but um, he's given consistency. There has been a little bit of up and down, but he's been pretty dominant in Houston the last two years. He's a guy that plays inside, outside, in the slot. 5'10", 183 is obviously not the Packers' favorite size, but 4'33 speed gives you that automatic deep threat. He had 11.5 yards per reception this past season, but that was low for him. The previous season was 14.2. He's been as high as 16.5 when he was with New England. So I think it depends on the role that he's in. But he's cracked 1,000 yards almost every single season, aside from two where he didn't play as much, presumably due to injuries. That was in 2019, and in 2014 was his rookie season, so maybe he just wasn't on the field. But aside from that, 2015, 1,138 yards, 9 touchdowns. Um, 2016, 1,173 yards and 8 touchdowns. 2017, 1,237 yards and 7 touchdowns. 2018, 1,496 yards and 5 touchdowns. 2020, 1156 touchdowns. And then this past year, 1,037 yards and 6 touchdowns. PFF grades, uh, 69, 73, 73, 71, 81, 68, 81, 77. So um, he's kind of hovered in the low 70s every year, aside from 2018 with an 81, 2020 with an 81, and then 2021 with a high 70s in the 77 range. Um, He's got good hands. Very rarely has he had drop issues. He did kind of in New England a little bit. Um, Otherwise, he's always been really solid with not dropping the ball. His contested catch rate, again, 5'10", 183. this past season was 57%. He got 12 of 21 jump balls, basically. So uh, better than what you would expect. Um, six missed tackles forced. He got 45 first downs, 98.8 passer rating when targeted. 34% of his snaps were in the slot. Again, there's the versatility. Overall, last year, as far as his receiving grade, he ranked 27th, which obviously, you know, we're not talking about a top 10 guy anymore, but it's still it's still a quality receiver. Um, he's better than a lot of the other guys we're talking about potentially trading for or get picking up in free agency, that is. Although I will say Julio Jones is just two spots below him. So if we can get Julio um, for a similar price and no picks, I'm just saying. I know the injuries. I get it. I'm just I'm just saying. Another name that um, would have been worth talking about, and I guess you could still talk about it, although it doesn't help us this year at all. um it's not worth talking about calvin Ridley would have been a name uh worth talking about but he was suspended indefinitely through the twenty twenty two season for betting on NFL games um the only reason I say it's potentially worth talking about trading um and I don't know if you can trade a suspended player or not I would assume so but um you take on his contract his contract you owe him nothing this year because it's you know he's suspended and then next year would be his fifth year option year in which you could potentially pay the guy to you know be your wide receiver, which is awesome because it's kind of a way of securing a player and not having to pay him when you don't have any money. And then hopefully next year, when you have a little bit more money, you could pay the guy. Again, I doubt they're going to do it. He also had that whole thing. He stepped away for 12 games last year for mental health issues. I know you shouldn't hold that against a guy, but it's still, you know, you're talking about paying lots of money and and the Packers' number one concern seemingly about players is your ability to be on the field whether that's physical health, mental health, whatever, you can't be stepping away and we need to protect against that. So I don't think that that would be a thing. But anyways, that would have been worth talking about. Another name to consider is Mr. Michael Thomas. Reason being, similar to some of these other teams, you got a team that's uh, headed toward rebuild category and you got an old expensive guy. Now, Michael Thomas has a uh, contract through 2024. I don't know how tra- I'm trying I'm just looking at his contract. I don't know how tradable he really I mean, he's definitely tradable, but do you know how cheap he would be this year? He would cost us under $2 million this year. The problem, I think he's untradable from the Saints' standpoint at $25 million cap hit. It would cost them. However, however, there is a scenario in which there is a post-June 1st trade possibility. The Saints would actually gain a $1 million in cap space by moving on from him if they wait until after the post June one. And maybe you can even trade with that designation. I'm not positive how that worked. But that's the only way that could possibly work because otherwise they're going to take a massive cap hit this year. Which the Saints are in no position to um to do. But his his cap hit for us would be one point three five million dollars in base salary and then there's a, a two hundred thousand dollar workout bonus which I think stays on the contract. Now he does jump up though in twenty twenty three and again this is more reason for the Saints to move on potentially um 2023, he has a $15.5 million cap hit and an $18.5 million cap hit. That's pretty expensive for a wide receiver, no question. The thing is, I don't think any of this would necessarily be guaranteed, so the Packers would be able to get out of this basically whenever they wanted to. The problem is, if you're offering trade compensation for Michael Thomas, you're not going to use, I mean, you don't give up trade compensation for one-year rental. So now you're talking about 2023, Michael Thomas is 30 years old, He counts $15.5 million against the cap, which is not horrible, assuming Michael Thomas is still a a really top wide receiver at 30 years old. But I mean, you can't trade him because again, you just, this is year two. And then similarly for year three, I don't know if you want a two-year rental. I mean, if you're giving up, I don't, again, I don't know what the compensation is. I mean, he was out all year in 2021 with an ankle injury. I mean, he, he had ankle surgery and then it was kind of similar to David Bakhtiari where there were continued setbacks and everything else he couldn't get back on the field and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I think you just you worry that there's sort of a Julio thing going on. If you look at Michael Thomas and his grades, and he hasn't been around a, a really long time, 2016 is the, his first year, but 86-91-91-90, right? Clearly one of the best wide receivers in football. Then in 2020, though, a 79.6 overall grade. Why? Well, he was injured the first half of the year, and then he came back um, in week nine, and it just you know, just wasn't as good as we've seen. Well, that's kind of the situation with Julio, isn't it? He got hurt, and then since he came back from that injury, it's like, I don't know, we haven't seen the same Julio. By the way, remember, this is a 6'3", 212-pound guy that runs a 4.57. The athleticism is really not there. So what he is is a really intelligent, really, really clean route runner who suffered an ankle injury and then had a setback after his ankle surgery. You know, if if 75% of your game is based on one thing and that one thing takes a hit, there are some concerns there that maybe you're not going to see the same level of production. I mean, can you imagine if Devontae had a messed up ankle that impeded his ability to to kind of, you know, cut, run routes? I mean, that's that's his whole thing, dude. Devontae drops to mediocre pretty quick. So, I mean, th- th- there's a ton to unpack here as far as how the contract works and would the Saints and could the Saints, when and how and how much. You know, is Michael Thomas still considered one of the top wide receivers? He's 29, again missed the last year and a half of football. In other words, he's played a half a year over the last two years. 2020 didn't look super great. Going to be 30 relatively soon, well in a year. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to pay number 1 wide receiver money compensation for a guy that is just not that anymore. And I think with a lot of these things that is going to be the hang up. That's just generally the problem with trades and free agency is it's like you you know you know who I am. Right? I'm sure they would be interested in Julio Jones, but Julio's like, dude, I am Julio freaking Joan. I want $20 million or whatever whatever it is, 16, 15, I don't know. And the Packers are like, dude, you're, you are not worth that. I mean, they're not talking to Julio. They're talking to his agent, but that's, that's the situation. Same with Michael Thomas. If there was any question of trade, the Saints are going to be looking at it like, dude, this is Michael freaking Thomas. Do not insult me. The Packers are like, dude, this is 2022 Michael Thomas. You're trying to sell me 2019 Michael Thomas. I'm not paying 2019 Michael Thomas rates for 2022 Michael Thomas. 29-year-old, hasn't played in two years, broken ankle Michael Thomas. And again, this is where generally the fan base will look at it and say, dude, Michael Thomas would be huge. That's an automatic. I mean, we're back on top. It's like things just aren't that simple, you know? Everybody wants the big names. And again, I've I've been kind of banging the table for Julio. And I'll I'll admit there's probably a part of me that's like, it's still Julio because it hasn't fully sunk in that it's really not. But at the very least, even if he's not going to be the, just don't pay him to be the guy if he's not going to be the guy. And again, the Packers, being the way the Packers are, that's probably the biggest reason why you're not seeing wide receivers come to Green Bay, because in free agency and in the trade, you know, realm, people want top dollar, and the Packers are are just not going to be fleeced. And the last guy I wanted to throw out that there was some talk about potentially, um, you know, being available. Surprisingly enough is Mr. Kadarius Toney. Now, Kadarius Toney was a first-round pick in um, 2021 for the New York Giants, so it seems relatively unlikely, but there was some talk and consideration that maybe because the New York Giants have got a new regime coming in, obviously this is a guy that was not drafted by him, uh, Joe Schoen or whatever the GM's name is. It's one of those things where you come in, you reevaluate the talent. I mean, we saw what John Dorsey did when he went to Cleveland, he found all the guys that don't fit what he likes and he just shipped them all away and brought in a bunch of new guys that did fit. Dave Gettleman did not really do a very good job of evaluating talent and did not draft super elite players. And if you're a GM and you go in there and you don't like Kadarius Tony, he doesn't fit what you want to do. You don't think it makes a lot of sense for the direction of your team. And you can get a little bit of a haul for a really young wide receiver. And it would be probably pretty heavy in the draft compensation. Now you're not going to get a first for him anymore. Um, but it is just kind of a completely different way to go about that, as opposed to getting the really old, kind of washed-up guys you look at really young, really cheap, potentially high-ceiling-type prospects. As one person put it, he's either going to be the best receiver in the league, or it's just not going to work out. There really is no in-between for Kadarius Tony. He's one of those sort of, I don't want to say Traylon Burks because he's not built that way, but kind of Traylon Burks. Get the ball in his hand and let him do some magic. Now, again, he's 23 years old. You got him for on a rookie deal for two more years. As far as what he did last year, there is some question about availability with injuries, et cetera, et cetera, which is not great. Again, the Packers don't like that very much, but um, kind of had his first breakout game in week four, primarily as a slot guy, eight targets, six receptions, 78 yards. He followed that up in week five against Dallas, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards. And that right there, I mean, if you want to see the upside of Kadarius, and that's Basically, the entirety of his upside. That's the game right there. That is like, what the heck is this? But then three for three for 36, five for four for 26, one for one for nine, 11 of seven for 40, eight of four for 28. He ended the season. And, you know, again, he was out for quite a while. Um, Between the weeks 11 through 16, he was out, didn't play 17 or 18. I don't know when their bye is, but he missed several games. But he ended with 39 receptions for 420 yards and zero touchdowns. 60% 60% of the time he was in the slot, which again, doesn't super work out for what we want because he's kind of like Amari Rogers, right? I think one of the really impressive things to look at is rather than yards per reception, because that kind of gives you, it's more of just a what style of player are you, but a really good metric for wide receivers is yards per route run. And so when you look at Kadarius Tony, you say, okay, he didn't play very much because per- first of all, to start the season, he was a rookie. And didn't get on the field much, and then he was injured. But when he ran routes, how many yards did the guy get? So it takes into account, um, first of all, how many routes you ran. So it's a per-route number, not even per play, because sometimes it's run plays, etc. It's when you ran a route. It also takes into account receptions, how many times you were targeted, and how many yards you got on those receptions. and all kind of puts it together in, into a yards-per-route-run category. He was 11th in the NFL. And again, it's a good you know how it's a good metric, because you sort by it, and it's a good list. Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, A.J. Brown, Deontay Harris, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett, T. Higgins, Kadarius Toney, Tyreek Hill. That's that's the top 11. Well, top 12, Tyreek and Kadarius tied. So there's definitely some upside with Kadarius Toney, although it doesn't seem like it because most of his grades weren't great and his yards weren't great, largely because of, again, not a lot of opportunities. The injury thing is the biggest issue, but there might be some sneaky watch out for Kadarius Toney stuff here. Might be a good buy low candidate. And again, this is all just complete speculation, but these are names that have come up as potential for various reasons, and I've been asked to highlight some of them, so I highlighted them. Again, I'm not doing DK Metcalf because I don't see any reason why they would do that. Tyler Lockett, maybe, because he kind of falls into that category of we need to get into rebuild mode in Seattle, and Tyler Lockett really isn't the future, but DK Metcalf clearly is still the future there. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.